we love singing as a church. Actually, one of the things we love to do every Sunday. We don't normally sing Christmas carols. It just happens to be this week. But uh, we're going to have a look, think now uh, a little bit about what the Christmas message is really all about. And I, my main point is very simple to remember. My main point is this: Christmas means the end for light bulbs. Okay, Christmas means light bulbs are going to become extinct. That's, that's what I'm going to try and show you. You look very sceptical, but that's all right. We can work with that. So I want to try and show you why Jesus is better than a light bulb. And in order to, in order to help me, I do have a light bulb um, here. This is the extent of my wiring engineering, which if I plug in, it might even work. Uh, I might not blow the whole... Ha, huh, there we go. Right. This is probably going to get really irritating for you by the end. <laughs> I'll put it over there. <laughs> Nice. You see, the trouble with light bulbs is they are limited. There are two big problems. And look, they're great. Okay, In many, many ways, much to thank Thomas Edison for. What a hero. But they're limited in two ways. And I want to tell you a story to help you see why they're limited. I want you to come with me in your imagination to a cave. It's a proper dark cave, deep under a mountain somewhere. Now, I have to warn you, I made this story up, and I know there are holes in it, okay? <laughs> Don't think too hard about some of the practicalities of, which, of what I'm about to tell you. Just go with it. So, we're going into this cave. It's a, it's a deep, dark cave where the light from the sun has never kissed the boulders of this cave. It's a dark place. And there are tunnels, and there are unknown crevices where all sorts of creatures live. It's a dark place. Now, in this cave is a boy. We're going to call him Drew. And Drew lives right in the middle of that cave, in the darkness. And Drew has one possession which is so precious to him. It's a light bulb. Now, I know what you're thinking. (laughs) Not much use. It's okay, because with the light bulb, I've thought this through, right? With the light bulb comes a power supply. And the power supply will last for exactly 50 years. Now, can you see why the light bulb is going to be pretty precious to Drew? It lights his little bit of the cave. It enables him to find food. I I don't know... How? But it does. It enables him to find food and water. It enables him to make things. It enables him to survive. But you know, the problem is that Drew knows that the light bulb can't do everything. You see, there's a problem. Drew knows that there are very dark corners of this cave. And sometimes when he begins to think about what might be lurking down the tunnels, he starts to get properly scared. And he can't cope with that feeling. So what he does is he pushes away those fears of the darkness and he runs back to his light bulb and says, no, it's okay, I'm just going to stay with my light bulb. He knows that it can't actually get rid of the darkness. And he also knows that the light bulb is limited. He knows that one day it's going to go out. And sometimes his mind tracks forward, what's going to happen when my light bulb goes out? What's going to happen when my power supply finishes? The day when it flickers 
and he's gone. And it terrifies him. The thought of the light bulb dying terrifies him. And so he pushes it out of his mind. He can't cope with that thought. You see, he knows the light bulb is limited. It has limited power. It cannot remove the darkness. And it has a limited life. It's not going to last. Now, I want to suggest to you that that is like a parable of our world. Actually, we live in a world where there is lots of darkness. There are things that happen in places perhaps a long way away from us. And we, we know that there's bad stuff that happens. We know that there's evil in this world. And we don't know how to cope with it. So this is what we do. We look for a light bulb. We look for something that we can run to. We look for something that will give us meaning, that will give us a little bit of light in our world, a little bit of joy, a little bit of happiness in our world. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's, maybe it's a career or a relationship or whatever it might be that just sheds a bit of light on our bit of the world. But the problem is, you know that it does nothing for all the darkness. Okay, it gives you a little bit of light. But don't you sometimes think of the darkness? Doesn't it sometimes scare you? And we sort of think, but we can't cope with that. We can't cope with the thought of the darkness. So we have to run to a light bulb. And we know as well that those things are limited. We know they're not going to last. Nothing in this world lasts. Yes, it might burn brightly for a few years. A career may last for a few years. But it's going to flicker and die. The things that we put up, the light bulbs that we look to for meaning, eventually will run out. Do you not see that we're putting our hope in light bulbs that ultimately we know are limited in their power and they're limited in their life. Now look, it may be that that's all there is. And it may be that you say, well, that's just the way life is. And it may be that your worldview, the way you understand the world, is that ultimately, yes, darkness does win. Maybe that's how you view the world. That ultimately, however much we may get a little bit of light for a little bit of time, ultimately the darkness the darkness will win. But I want to say to you, what if there's more? What if that isn't true? What if the reason that we love stories about light triumphing over darkness is because that's what we were made for? What if ultimately the darkness doesn't win? That's the message of Christmas. Darkness does not win. And I want to try and show you that just in a few minutes this afternoon. In fact, not me, actually. I I don't want to show you. I want to invite you to listen to a man called John who wrote a part of the Bible. He wrote John's Gospel. It's an account of Jesus' life. And I want you to listen to it with me. We just heard the opening chapters, uh, chapter read to us. And John invites us to come explore, come explore something else, a, a, a bigger worldview. I'm going to turn this, this, this might be irritating you, so I'll turn it off. Because I care very much about your, your eyesight and things like that. It's gone very dark all of a sudden. 
So let's have a look right now. How does John start? He's writing us the account of Jesus' life. Where do you think he should start? Well, we might say, well, of course, he should start with the angel and the shepherds and the manger and the donkey and all the Christmassy stuff. I tell you what, John doesn't, he doesn't care about any of that. He's very un-Christmassy, actually. He hasn't got a manger. He hasn't got Bethlehem. He hasn't got anything. He starts differently. Look at the first three words of his gospel. This is big, right? Have a look at this. These are the first three words. In the beginning. See, John doesn't just want to take us back to Bethlehem and say, oh, let's think about the baby that was born. John says, no, 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 let's go back further. Let's go right back to the beginning. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, you'll know that those words appear somewhere else in the Bible. They're the first three words of the whole Bible. In the beginning. That's not an accident. John is saying, I want to take you back right to the beginning. Let's, th- let's go back there. Let's not go to Bethlehem. Let's go back to the creation of the world, John says. <laughs> That's pretty big. What was the world like when God made it? Have a look at this. This is, this is interesting and bearing in mind what we've just been talking about. Look, in the beginning, this is Genesis, okay? It's how the Bible starts. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What's the world like when God first made it? Darkness, do you see? It's like Drew in his cave. Darkness. And then, this is what we're told. And God said, let there be Light. And there was light. Can you imagine that moment? Darkness, darkness, darkness. God speaks. He says, let there be light. And boom, there was light. I don't know if there was a a boom, actually. uh, Just I felt like it needed a boom. Big bang and all that. Right. So uh, that's the big bang when God said, let there be light. And there was light. God speaks and light uh, comes into existence. The darkness is... Now look, God doesn't say, okay, I'll give you a light bulb. God creates light itself. God makes light. And the darkness is, is destroyed in that moment. That is what God is like. He makes light. He is the God of light. God is light. But the Bible story goes on. That's the first chapter. As you read on in the Bible story, what happens is that humanity chooses darkness rather than light. Humanity chooses, they say, I'd rather live in the darkness because in the darkness I can do what I want. In the light I have to live in obedience to this nasty God. In the darkness I can do what I want. I can live my way. I don't want you, God. I don't want your light. You can keep your light to yourself. I choose darkness. Humanity has chosen darkness. We've chosen a life away from God. And then we've tried to find light bulbs that will give us some meaning. And those light bulbs, they're good, right? They reflect light. In some way, it's kind of good light, but it's not the light. It's only a light bulb. And because humanity turned its back on God... God has given humanity what we chose. He has given us 
darkness. That's why our world is dark. If you wonder why there are dark things happening in our world, forget the world for a second. I look in my heart, I see darkness in my own heart. I have thoughts and I, I think that's so dark. Where's that come from? Because humanity has turned away from God and God has given us over to darkness. It is his punishment on this world that we would be in a world of darkness. Okay, now, you may say, this is a depressing Christmas message. No, it's not. You have to understand this, right? Because here's the point. God so loves this world that this is what he's done. Listen to John chapter 1 again. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Here's the message of Christmas. The light has stepped into the darkness. Here's the message of Christmas. Jesus is the light. Now, let's just break that down a minute, because you remember there's two problems with light bulbs. They're limited in their power and they're limited in their life. I want to show you why Jesus is able to sort the darkness of our world completely and properly and fully. I'm going to do it just by working our way through those first five verses that John wrote. Here they are. In the beginning was the word. Let me show you first that Jesus has power. He is not limited in his power like a light bulb that can light One little spot. But look, if I take this contraption outside and I hang it in Borough High Street, it does nothing for the darkness of the sky. Nothing. It can't change it. That's how limited in its power. But Jesus isn't limited in his power. Look what we're told about him. He's called the Word. Why is he called the Word? Well, you remember back in Genesis when God made the world and it was God spoke his Word Here is Jesus, the Word. The Word of God has become a man. It's slightly brain-stretching, but it's okay. And the Word of God has become a man. Now, let's, let's work this through, okay? Why is Jesus more powerful? Firstly, in the beginning was the Word. In other words, this baby Jesus, who we're celebrating at Christmas, this Word, he was in the beginning. He was there in the beginning. That's the claim of the Bible. He didn't start his existence at Bethlehem. He started his existence back in the dim and distant shadows of eternity. Where actually if you go back you'll find he has no beginning. He was there in the beginning because he was always there. He is the eternal one. That's a big thing to say, right? That's why he's got power to deal with the darkness. Because he was was there in the beginning. And it's not, it's not just, okay, so that's, that's, that's pretty powerful. But look, it's not just that he was hanging around in the beginning. You know, when God made the world. Oh yeah, Jesus was hanging around. No, no, look what it says. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. In other words, this baby Jesus, before he became a baby, before he became a human, he was with God in the beginning. So in the let there be light moment, Jesus was there. This baby was there. 
That's a big claim, right? So he was right there at that moment, as God said, let there be light. But it gets bigger, right? It's not just that he was, and it's not just that he was with God. It gets even bigger. Look, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Don't you feel the bigness of what we're being told? What a mind-blowing thing. Now, this shows us that Jesus is different to us, that God is different to us. That I'm just a man, right? I am only just. I'm just a man, right? I'm, I'm. Now, um, if you came up to me and said, uh, hey, and, and imagine I'm talking to Phil. I say, Phil, your flute playing's beautiful, very nice. Didn't know you could do that. It's very good. And, uh, and you come over to me and you say, uh, oh, John, who are you talking with? Who are you with? And I say, let me introduce you to me. This is me. I'm me and I'm with me. You're like, what are you talking about? That makes no sense at all. In the same way that if I say, Phil is with Phil, you assume there are two Phils, right? Is anyone, is anyone vaguely with this, right? I'm trying to show you why this is slightly weird. <laughs> right, so look, he was with, uh, the word was with God and the word was God. How can that be? It's because God is not like us, right? God is not the same as me. God is so big and mind-blowing that there is one God And yet God is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And so we can say that the Son of God, Jesus, the Son of God, was with the Father. He was with God and and he was God. That's the claim. It's a massive claim. This is why he has power. So here's the claim. The baby who was born at Christmas is the same God who in the very beginning said, let there be light. Do you see why he's got power? Do you see why he's the one who's able? And that same one who said, let there be light. He looked at this dark world, this world that had turned its back, this world that had rejected God. And the son of God said, I'm going to step into the darkness to rescue them. That's Christmas. God became a man. So he's powerful. He's, he's, he's the let there be light God. So of course he's powerful enough. But remember the second problem was that the, the light bulb has limited life, has limited power. It can only remove the darkness from here. And it has limited life. Well, look what comes next. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that light, life was the light of all mankind. This one who became a man, in him was life. He has life. Again, that's different to me. I, I mean, I'm alive. Right? Hello. I'm alive. Okay. But I don't have the power of life. I don't have the power to take something that is dead and make it alive. You know, I don't go to the fishmonger and... Did you see this week about the, the lobster? Did anyone see this week about the lobster? just reminded me about the... There was a lobster, King Louis, the lobster. 
Did no one else see this? Ah, oh, you see, well, I don't know what you're doing with your lives. Uh, King Louis the Lobster was caught from the ocean, and, a, and a, someone went and felt sorry for King Louis the Lobster and paid £140 to buy King Louis the Lobster and then let him go. Nice. You see, we have the power to do that sort of thing. But once, but you go into the fishmonger and you say, oh, look, there's Sally the Salmon. Not Sally the Salmon, that's bad. Uh, <laughs> another name. Uh, Susie. Susie. Uh, Susie. Okay with Susie? Okay with Susie. Good. Susie the Salmon. There's Susie the Salmon. Susie the Salmon's been dead for a week. Susie, I'm going to set you free. You see, that's, that's no good. I can't, I can't do that. I can set free something that's living, but I can't give life to Susie the Salmon because she's dead. She's been dead for a while. I don't have the power of life. But here's the point. Jesus, who comes into the world, he has the pa- in him was life. He has the very power of life. And that life is the light of mankind. And so Jesus steps into the darkness of our world. And Jesus comes in order to do battle with the darkness. I want you to understand this. Jesus came... This is going to surprise you, but I want you to understand this, that Jesus came to wage war. Jesus came to fight. And he came to wage war on darkness. He came to fight darkness. And Jesus, the light, the eternal son of God who spoke, let there be light. Jesus went into the darkness to say, let there be light. And you you read through the pages of John's gospel. You read about him. You watch him turning darkness to light, opening the eyes of the blind, raising the dead, healing the sick, feeding the hungry. Here is Jesus who turns darkness to light, darkness to light. He has the power of light itself. And then Jesus fights this battle right to the very end, right to the point of death. And Jesus is nailed to a wooden cross with nails through his hands and through his feet. And as he dies, he defeats death once and for all. He defeats the darkness once and for all. You say, I want you to understand this. When Jesus came, the reason he came was to deal with the darkness completely. And as Jesus died on the cross, God placed upon his own precious son the darkness that I deserve, the darkness that I have chosen. Jesus was crushed by that darkness. Jesus experienced that darkness, the terror, the fear, the suffering, the agony, the pain, the death. That darkness fell on him. It crushed him. And as Jesus takes the darkness, he sets you free. That's what he came to do. And you might say, well, but if Jesus died, then he's just another light bulb who's gone out. <laughs> About three days later. It's fascinating. In John's gospel, you read it, John chapter 20, we're told this. While it was still dark, that's what it says in John 20. While it was still dark, they went to the tomb. And they discovered that Jesus, the light of the world, was alive again. Because he has life. He has the power of life. And darkness cannot win. And Jesus has defeated darkness. Jesus has defeated death itself. 
And the Bible says that one day, one day, all darkness will be removed. The decisive battle has been won. The final victory has yet to be won. And I want to show you now the very last thing before we finish. We thought about in the beginning. Can I tell you the end? Here's the end of the Bible. Look at these words from Revelation. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. There is a day coming when all darkness will be finished. I want to imagine that you're walking in the mountains. And as you walk in the mountains, you discover a cave. And you go into the cave and you walk down and into the darkness, the dark, deep darkness of the cave. And in the cave, you find a little boy. His name's Drew. And he's got a light bulb. And you say to him, hey, buddy, what, what are you doing here living in the darkness? And he looks at you with massive eyes and he says, but I'm living in the light. I've got my light bulb. I'm in the light. The darkness is over there, but I'm in the light. You say to him, you have no idea what true light really is, do you? And you take Drew by the hand and you lead him up, up, up and out. And for the first time in his life, he sees the sun. For the first time in his life, he feels no more fear. No more pain, no more aloneness. That is what Jesus wants to do for you this Christmas. He wants to come into the darkness of this world. He wants to come into the darkness of your life. He wants to take you by the hand and he wants to say to you, let me show you true light. Let me show you life as it's meant to be lived. I came. I died. I defeated death so that I could bring you into the light. Will you come to him this Christmas? You come and say, Jesus, I want that light. And maybe you've got loads of questions. I know that. And maybe you, you, you come along this afternoon. You're not normally in church. It's terrific that you're here. You know, it's great you come to celebrate with us. My, my invitation this Christmas is, will you, will you at least read about it? Will you look at it? And if you discover it to be true, then will you come to Jesus and make him the light of your life? We're going to pray together and then we're going to sing a final song. But this Christmas, may those words of John be true. That the light shines into our darkness and does not overcome it. Let's pray. Father, we ask this afternoon that we might see Jesus is the light of the world. We ask this afternoon that we might understand that this one who made light in the very beginning is the one who came as a baby to save our world from the darkness all around us. Lord, we ask that we might come to Jesus and find him to be the light. And Father, we thank you that one day you have promised us a world where there will be no more darkness, there will be no more night, there will be no more death or suffering or pain. And we will see light as it's truly meant to be. Father, help us to have this hope, we pray. Help us not to give in to darkness. Help us to know that darkness doesn't win because Jesus does. We praise you in his name. Amen.